Praise the Lord. You may be seated in heavenly places. Uh, tonight is the night. I said tonight is the night. You know, when we gather like this, uh, first of all, I just want to share that the, the vision, the vision of, of what we are doing as the ecclesia, as the ecclesia, the word ecclesia uh, is about the government of God. It's about the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's about the church coming together and becoming a governing body in the earth. And it's about us working together in order to bring about the purposes of God in the earth. And how many people know that's not always going to be an easy process? Amen. It's not always easy when we have different churches coming together. Amen. We, we all have our personalities. I mean, as churches, we have our different personalities. And, uh, and the fact of the matter is, is that, amen, this is the design of God. We are different but on the same side. Amen. Praise. I said we're different but we're on the same side. Amen. Can I hear your amen? Yeah. Uh, and just figure out this, that uh, we're going to be together not just uh, during our lifetime, but forever. Think about that face, that born-again face next to you that's looking so lovely. You're going to spend eternity with that person. So tell your neighbor, let's get used to each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to spend eternity together. Get, yeah, and eternity is a long time. Eternity is a long time, all right? So you can't get rid of me and I can't get rid of you. We might as well get, you know, get, get together and, and love each other, hallelujah, because we're in this thing together, praise the Lord. What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that God is bringing the body together. God is bringing the body together, and uh, we are stronger together. Now, I know that's not a, an overnight thing. It's a, it's a process, Amen. Um, and one of the reasons why we, we, we need to, um, uh, one of the things we have to deal with is, is being personality-centered. We tend to follow personalities. But how many people know that Jesus is in the children of God? And if we follow Jesus, the personality doesn't really matter. Oh, I think I need to say that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we follow people. And yet it's Christ in the person that we are actually following. And as we get that right, it's not a challenge to connect with what God is doing in the body. But so long as I say, I want so-and-so up there, or I want to hear so-and-so, and I don't want to hear so-and-so, and we're personality-oriented, we're going to miss a lot of what God wants to do. So God is bringing us together. And this is not about a personality. This is not about a church. This is about the body of Christ coming together and God using different vessels, amen, to bring the Word of God to us. Can I hear you loud, amen? amen. Can I hear louder, amen? Amen, amen, amen. amen. Um, and, and how do I know that? Because people, we tend to think about who's here. I'm coming to the word. We tend to think about who's here, uh, who's around, who's going to preach, who's going to do what. And based on that, we set our expectation. Isn't that what we do? 
Now, based on who's there or who's going to minister, we set our expectation either up or down. Which means that we still have some growing to do to recognize that if God can use a donkey to speak and can bring the word of the Lord through a donkey, (laughs) how much more the vessels of the Lord. I'm saying something right now. Amen. And so um, I'm just exhorting us, amen, tonight just to recognize what God is doing here. It may be in the earliest stages of it, but it's going to grow, and it's growing in Jesus' name. And I declare five years from now, we're going to see some amazing things that will look back and say, wow, this is how we began. This is how it all started, and I was there. (laughs) Hallelujah. I've had the privilege of watching God do something in ministries from early stages up until, like people like Apostle Loma, who was ministering so powerfully last night. But he didn't start there. He didn't start. Do you know how they started? They started in a bar, in Shibin. They would literally have to clear and sweep broken bottles and vomit on the floor on the Sunday morning to have church. That's how they started. Today, he gathers 15,000 people just for a convention. He's got all these churches around the world. Tell your neighbor, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Yeah, yeah. That's how he started. They would literally have to, and we've been in a bar situation before, literally have to just clean up the place and sanitize it just to have church with a handful of people. But God started them there. And over the years, God has grown the ministry to what it is today. Okay? So what God is doing here, I really believe, is going to affect the nations of the earth. I want to say that again. What God is doing here is going to affect the nations of the earth. What God is doing here, God is going to use to affect the nations of the earth. Tell your neighbor you're part of history. Take a good shot. Take a good picture in your mind of where we started. As rough as it might be. As imperfect as it might be. Hallelujah. Nothing begins grown up. Everything begins as a child. As a baby. As a seed. Amen. So I wanted to get ready tonight to receive the word of God. um, and, And open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Because I want to talk about, and I want to teach tonight, I really don't necessarily want to preach. I want to talk about breaking faith barriers. Breaking faith barriers. How many people know that the just shall live by faith? How many more people know the just shall live by faith? Now, do do we get that? The just shall live by faith. You don't work for a living. You work for a giving. You live by faith. You make a living by faith. You live by faith. It literally means your life depends on your faith. Literally. You don't work for a living. You work for a giving. You live by faith. So faith is critical. Faith is indispensable 
for us to be able to transact anything from the kingdom of God and see it manifested in our lives. Amen? And I've, I've, I've been in this for a minute. I mean, I'm talking about ministry now. I'm not trying to pull rank on anybody. I just want to tell you something that, you know, I've lived this thing long enough to know there are certain things that work and there are certain things that don't work. And I found that what works is faith. Faith works. The question is, how do we exercise the kind of faith that produces results? Okay. And I'm talking as a preacher. I'm talking as a preacher that, that started, we were discussing, um, um, was it last night? Some of the preachers reminded me of my early humble beginnings. Um, because they know me from way back. And I tell these stories, you know, over the years and talk about where I began and all of those challenges of being an upcoming preacher. All I had was one suit and one pair of shoes and uh, a briefcase that looked like I knew something and I had something. It was empty except for a Bible. Just trying to look like a preacher. And uh, how it was rough. And they were reminding me of something that I was, I was, I'm still embarrassed today. I was preaching somewhere in, uh, in the kingdom of Swaziland, somewhere in the country, in the bush bush. And I was coming back home after preaching and God had moved and people got saved, people got healed and delivered and people were baptized in all the nine yards and I'm making my way back home. And you know how it is in some places, you go to some place and preach and all they give you is a God bless you, thank you, man of God. So I'm going home with a God bless you, but no money. And so I, I, I'm making my way back and then I come to the border gate. I had ministered in KZ and I come to the border gate and I go through the border gate back into Swaziland to try and get home only to find that the transport, the buses were finished. The only bus that was available could only take me one quarter of the way. And I couldn't get home that night even if I had the money. So I take that little bus, a little taxi, if it was, and I ended up being dropped off. This is now dark. It's like 8 o'clock at night in a filling station. At a filling station, in those days, they were not open 24 hours a day. They closed at sundown. There was nobody there. There was just a farmhouse nearby and some barking dogs. And I get there with my little briefcase, and I don't know if I had a little bag with me, and, uh, and I now... I'm stranded. There was no cell phones in those days anywhere. There's no one to call. And uh, there was no bus. There's no taxis. No Uber. No none of, the, none of that. And I'll try to figure out what am I going to do. So I realize I'm going to have to spend the night here at this filling station. So I go to, I look around and I see a light. And then I look at the light. I realize it's a men's toilet. So I go to the men's toilet and I realize, okay, there's a men's toilet, just a single stall, one, just a door and a toilet. That's it. Not even a sink or anything. And it's, it's just not even more than a couple of meters square. And uh, so I figured, well, so that no security guard thinks I'm here to steal anything, let me go inside this toilet. And I decided I'm going to put up in the toilet and sit on the floor for the night. And so I sit in that, on that floor and wait for the morning uh, to come. Because only then is there going to be a bus that I may be able to catch to then take me the rest of the way. And I'll never forget it. 
you know, um, how humbling that was. And Paul says, I know how to abound. I know how to be abased. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I sat in that toilet. My family didn't know where I was. They were expecting me home. Couldn't call them or anything. And I sat on the floor of a man. Now, you know, this is not your cultex of today. And this was a man's toilet. <laughs> Broken seats. You can imagine I'm sitting there on the floor. No blanket, no food, no nothing for the night. And God had just moved so powerfully. And here I am today. And I don't have to live on that level anymore. They put me up in five-star hotels. Apostle Lomo put me up in the Hilton. The suite. That suite is so massive, my goodness. Got a lounge one side, massive bedroom, bathroom, everything. I was chauffeur-driven with a Porsche Panamera. Okay, the honorarium is serious. You, you will shout and you will praise the Lord. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that I've come a long way. And what I want to share with you is what has brought me this way. I haven't arrived. I'm still pressing on to more. But I'm going to share with you some things tonight that will help you in every area of your life especially in the area of your finances and things that will really work in your life. Because I know some preachers that have been preaching as long as I have and are still in the space I was. And it's not because God's a respecter of persons. It's because God is a respecter of faith. He's a respecter of faith. The just shall live by faith. I'm a, and I'm just going to give you an illustration. The Lord blessed us with an honorarium, a serious honor, honorarium. And basically, we, we sold all of it by Monday. This week, by Tuesday, it was all gone. But you see what God did last night for the ministry. Amen. And I'm, I know my, my miracles here. Praise the Lord. My, my answer's here. I, I, I've learned to walk by faith and not by sight. So here we read the story of Bartimaeus. Now, I want to, I don't, in interest of time, I, I'm not going to read the whole story. But I want to say this, that Bartimaeus was at the beggar level. He was begging, wasn't he? He was blind, he was begging. Why? Because he was blind. There's a relationship between these two things. He could not see light. And because he could not see light, he was living at the lowest level. But once his eyes were opened and he was able to see light, his status in life changed. He never begged anymore. He was on another level. Someone say another level. He didn't need to beg anymore. This is talking about an economic elevation that takes place in Bartimaeus' life because now he could see light he could not see before. Okay, tell your neighbor, I need light. Say, I need light. So when we're talking about faith, we're talking about faith, I want to talk about breaking the barriers of faith and specifically talk about revelation knowledge for, for a while. Once Bartimaeus received his sight, his level was immediately changed 
And the Bible says we can to follow Jesus who is the light. Okay? Someone say light. Mm-hmm. Someone say I receive my sight. Listen now. The level that you are in is determined by the light that you walk consistently in. I'll say it again. The level that you are in, doesn't matter who you are, is determined by the light that you walk consistently in. So the only difference between somebody like Brother Nginzela, who was here yesterday, and Apostle, I know him from years now, going to CFCI, and he's was special assistant to uh, Apostle Lomo. That man is an incredibly blessed and gifted business person, um, incredibly prosperous individual. And uh, he also has his own Porsche and all that. And uh, they, they, they're really moving in that realm. Okay, this is not fake stuff. It's not even pretend stuff. This is the real deal, guys. Heavy hitters. You know, when they give you a Holy Ghost handshake, you might just fall out under the Holy Ghost. And they might have to pick you up off the floor. Okay? Um, so, <laughs> those kinds of people, um, that, that, that this, is, this is the kind of person who, who I want to say to you, the reason why God has is made them different is because they have a light that you and I may not have. They have an understanding about something. They have a revelation about something that you and I may not have. The difference why there's a Bill Winston, Dr. Bill Winston, and a, and a, and a Bishop uh, Tudor Bismarck, and of course, Dad uh, Tryon, who's my spiritual father, the difference is light. The light you walk in determines the level that you are in. People perish not for lack of church. They perish for a lack of knowledge. So the light that you have determines the level that you are in. Now this is some sobering stuff because we can blame the devil until the cows come home. We can blame our parents. We can blame that we are black. We can blame the government. We can blame anything but the Bible says the just shall live by his faith. So your faith at the end of the day determines the level that you walk in. Okay? And, 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 and I've got to get real about this because sometimes we get so caught up in, in doing church. We get so caught up in participating in church things, we stop really doing the work that we need to do in here. The homework that we need to do inside here in order to walk in this kind of faith. And we can stagnate at a pla and plateau at a comfort zone. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the Lord had to challenge me in this area and has done so many times in my life when I realized that the fact that I understand it here does not mean I have light here. You can understand something intellectually and miss it spiritually. 
Let me give you an, an, an example of that. Um, people in, you know, in high school, in school, in school. Uh, and let me just talk about light, light, understanding. Someone say understanding. You can hear what the teacher's saying when they're trying to explain something to you in class. You've got a brain. You follow the language. But how many people know it's another thing to have light to say, aha, I get it. That's another matter. Someone else is just looking at the teacher saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and it's completely dark. Okay? They're just completely clueless in terms of understanding. Someone say, I need light. Blind Bartimaeus' prayer, prayer was, Lord, that I may receive my sight. I want to see. And in order to walk by faith, we have to see in the realm of our spirit man, in our inner man. It's almost a a misnomer that we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to build this. Because as much as we don't go by the five senses in order to walk by faith, but we walk by our spiritual senses as something we must see. Let me, let me give an example. Bible says, um, by his stripes we are healed. Okay. Now, I've got a brain enough to know that I understand that, I accept that, and, and technically I believe that. But it's only when you get the revelation of that and the light comes on in your spirit to recognize that this is so, that that particular scripture can begin to work in your life. Someone say revelation knowledge. Okay? So I'm going to deal with a couple of things here. That, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. So the level that you and I are in is determined by the light that we walk consistently in. I want to emphasize consistently and move on. It's not when we feel spiritual and powerful and we do spiritual things. That's not what's going to bring up the result. It's what we do consistently. The level we live on consistently when no one is watching. When we are on our own. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That determines the level that I walk in. That determines my daily experience in life. All right. So, a breakthrough, watch this. A breakthrough comes from a sudden burst of advanced knowledge. A breakthrough comes from a sudden burst of advanced knowledge. When we say it's a technological breakthrough, what are we saying? We're saying it's a sudden burst of knowledge. So a breakthrough comes from light. Someone say light. All right. So the biggest barrier a person can have is spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. Okay. Uh, Spiritual blindness is the biggest barrier to your faith. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 22 to 23... He says, the light of the body is the eye. Hmm? Look at that. The light of the body is the eye. It doesn't say it's the light that you see. It's the eye. 
That's the light. He says, if therefore thine eye be single or your eye is whole, thy whole body shall be full of light. Now, is he talking about biological sight? No. He is talking biology, but he is talking spiritually. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore that light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Sure. Someone say sight. Luke chapter 8 verse 18, we keep moving here. Take heed how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. Whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Now these are really parables that Jesus is speaking here. Doesn't seem fair. He says, to him that has, more shall be given. Okay. But then to him that doesn't have, even that which he seems to have, he's going to lose it. What is he referring to here? He's referring, the context is the parable of the sower. The sower sows the word, and the sum falls upon different soils. He's saying he that has the word is going to have more. Someone say increase. But he that does not have the word, whatsoever he seems to have, he's going to lose it. So, I've got to keep the word in my heart. I've got to walk in that word. I've got to work that thing out. I've got to practice that thing. I've got to live out that thing. Because if I don't, I'm going to lose ground. See? So, so basically, let's, let's just break this down a little bit and explain what he's saying. He's saying that if you keep a word in your heart and start acting upon it and believing God on it, you're going to see results. If you backslide and you let go of that word, you're going to lose results. You'll end up where you started. You're going to lose what you seem to have, what you used to have. So we end up with this yo-yo kind of thing. Where our progress is not from glory to glory, it's more like up and down, up and down, up and down. I'm not saying that life is going to be smooth. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect all the time. But I am saying the Bible says the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. So over time, you need to be seeing the progress in your life. Can I hear your loud amen? But here's the part I want to go to. Take heed, therefore. It doesn't say what you hear, although it's true. Take heed how you hear. Isn't that something? Be careful how you hear. What does he mean? I mean, I understand when he says, take heed what you hear. No, don't listen to everything. I, I got that. But when he says, take heed, be careful how you hear. Which means I can hear wrongly. Because of something that I'm not doing right within myself. And, 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 and I, and I, so let me give an illustration. <laughs> you hear about somebody that you've never met. Okay? And you hear things that are not so good about them by the way of the grapevine. 
So-and-so is like this, so-and-so is like that. Have you heard? No, I don't know who that person is. Okay. And then you meet this person. How many people know your perception of that person has already been affected by what you've heard? So whatever they say, you're going to hear it based on the eyes and the opinion of the person who talked about him. So you're no longer meeting this person. You are now hearing this person and responding to them through that person's eyes. Take your turn, but take heed how you hear. Take heed. Because a lot of times what happens is that we are not listening to the Word of God. We are listening through someone else's ears. We are filtering what God is saying through someone's opinion. And now we're not seeing the real thing. He says, take heed how. You hear about tithing and offering and someone else's opinion from Facebook pops up. Now you're not listening with the ear or seeing with your eye. You're now watching and seeing through someone else's eye. So-and-so says this. What about that? So-and-so says this. What about that? You know, preacher so-and-so doesn't believe in that. What about that? See? Now, that is now hearing through someone else. Let me give an illustration, an illustration of what I'm talking about. My mother, who's now, as you know, a senior, and she's in her 80s now, mid-80s, she, her, her, her name is Beauty. So she was always that woman that really took care of herself and even way beyond before her time of times today, she did herself up, okay? She was a dresser, okay? And um, so whenever we went to shop for clothes, and I'm, I'm a boy, I would, some, as I grew up, I thought I would just maybe do my own shopping. So I went and would buy myself something, maybe it's a pair of shoes, and I bring it to mom. I say, mom, look at my shoes. Mom would say, ah, you wasted your money on this one, you know, or something to that effect. It might not have been that rough. I said, oh, but mom, don't you, don't you like the shoe? Yeah, but it doesn't go with your outfit. You know, the colors are wrong or that style doesn't suit you, whatever. And, and when I buy something good, she said, oh, that just suits you perfectly. That, that's just you. Now, and, and, and so as I grew up now, and I was doing more and more of my own shopping, this is many times what I realized was happening. When I look at something in the store, I often find myself seeing the item through my mother's eyes. What would my mother say if I came dressed like this? <laughs> Tell your neighbor, take heed. Many people don't think for themselves. They think through other people. They don't have an opinion. They pick up other people's opinions and attitudes and conclusions about matters. And then they think 
this is going to be good for me, and adopt it, and they're not being careful, taking heed how you hear. Now, let me just say this and move on. The Word of Faith um, movement, I was introduced to many, many years ago through Kenneth Hagin's books, um, people like um, you know, other great preachers, of course, you know them. And it has come against a lot of attack over the years. But I'll tell you something about the Word of Faith movement. When you look at these preachers, they produce the results. I don't care what you say. When you look at their lives, you look at their finances, you look at their ministry, they produce the results. But what was happening in me is that because I was open to all these other opinions, I was not listening to the preaching with my ears. I was listening through the critics. And so it was a hindrance, a blockage in me really understanding what they're trying to say. And once I got rid of these blockages, I was like, this thing is the Bible. It's plain as day. I can see it now. But for a while, I couldn't see it because the way that I was listening, I was not listening for myself to see. I was listening to criticize. I was listening to interrogate. Tell your neighbor, take heed. How are you here? Okay, let's build this thing now. So, the biggest barrier a person can have is spiritual blindness. This causes spiritual blindness. So that a person really cannot get revelation knowledge about a matter. Why? Because they're not seeing it correctly. They're not seeing what the Bible is saying. They're seeing what someone else said about the matter. And that thing is where I'm going to go right now, is what causes strongholds. Strongholds. Someone say strongholds. Okay? What is a stronghold? That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. Are you getting some of this? I know it's, 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 powerful, it's, it's strong teaching, but you know, uh, I believe in, in change, amen? I believe in things moving in my life. I believe in things in being improved in my life. And I want to know if things are stagnant, things are going backwards all the time, I'm going in circles, what is the problem? What is the problem? My, my concern here tonight is not about filling this building. It's about filling you. It's about filling you with the Word of God. And I got this uh, from a man of God. He said, don't worry about filling a building. Fill the people that are there. A lot of preachers, we miss it because we're looking about filling a building. And the people come and fill a building and leave empty. But I'm here to fill you with the Word of God. Hallelujah. This is going to help you. For though we walk in the flesh, we are in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. We do not war according after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds. Now, when we're talking about pulling down strongholds, um, I want us to understand what this primarily means. 
before we talk about stuff in the atmosphere, and there are strongholds in the atmosphere, but I'll explain how strongholds work. What is a stronghold? And let's, let's look at the scripture because it's explained to us. It says they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then it tells you where these strongholds are. What does it say next? Casting down imaginations. Oh, casting down thoughts. And then it says, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And it goes on to say, and bringing into captivity every thought. So all those three descriptions about what we mean by casting down strongholds have to do with the mind. So strongholds, beloved, are in the mind. Strongholds are in the mind. And this is how a stronghold is built. Um, if you look at a city, and, you know, you look, we're fl flying in. I was flying in on Sunday from Durban and landing at ORT. And you look down and you see streets, you see buildings and so forth. That is a picture of our minds. And then you look out, you see built-up areas like Santon and downtown Johannesburg and so forth. That is a picture of how the mind is. This is how it works. Is that whenever a person has an experience, positive or negative, the first time that they experience that thing, whatever it is, it creates like someone walking on a path. And when you first walk on a path and there's grass... You just see crushed grass, right? And you can see someone was walking on this grass. But when they walk again, then there's more grass being crushed. After a while, people start continuing to walk on that path. It actually becomes a path. You follow what I'm saying? Now, that path can become wider. The more that experience repeats itself, the more... A path grows until it becomes a road. And the more it's repeated, it can become a highway. In other words, a shortcut. Let me give you an experience, an example. Um, a young lady, attractive and everything, gets approached by a young man. First experience, he's like, oh, I'm in love, and he loves me, and he wants to marry me, and all of this wonderful stuff. Then the guy disappoints her. So there's a path that wasn't there, an experience. All right? Then she listens to her friends, and the friends say, hey, Pella, it's like that in this world. So now there's a bigger path. It's like, oh, this is normal. Then another guy comes, dumps her at the altar. Oh, now it's a road. Okay, so when these people come, they're called men, and they come to bother you, you're going to end up being hurt. After a while, it becomes a shortcut, highway. The moment brother so-and-so comes, even if they're the right person, she already has a highway. She's already predicted how this thing will end. 
And she's like, I ain't ready to be hurt. Okay? So what does she do? She just decides, shortcut, talk to the hand. Okay? Now she has a highway. And watch this. Whenever a thought process or a belief system is reinforced, it builds like a tower or a skyscraper or a tall building. Because it's brick upon brick. It's experience upon experience. This has happened so many times, over and over. You know, I'm not good at math. I tried it, and I'm useless. I fail all the time, and I'll never make it. And so it becomes a stronghold so that even if they have the intelligence to do it, they just had a bad teacher, they have a mental block. Okay? So now they have a stronghold. So when there's a stronghold... And someone challenges the stronghold. The stronghold starts to speak. And argue. Say, all men are dogs. I'm useless at math. Don't tell me that I can be good at math. Look how old I am. And, and so the, whenever a, a, a contradictory truth comes, that thought pattern begins to speak, now it's a stronghold in the mind. I tried tithing. It doesn't work. I tried giving. It doesn't work. I tried church. It doesn't work. And even though the truth comes, there's now a stronghold that is now talking back. So when Jesus is teaching, the Bible tells us things like this, and he knew their thoughts. And responded to them saying. So now we're talking spiritual warfare. And that's what preachers do. We hear the thoughts. And they come back. And we have to answer the thought. Because there's a stronghold there. And now we have to demolish that stronghold. Pull it down. Some strongholds just close off. They have a self-defense message. Don't mess with me. Don't talk to me about this. I'm out. The person's there, but they have built such a fortress around what they believe that it cannot be penetrated. Okay? Those are strongholds. And so, we, we need to know that in order to have revelation knowledge... To have light, we must deal with the strongholds in our lives. Can I hear you loud? Amen. Now, where do they come from? These strongholds come from our exposure, our background, and our experiences. Everybody has them. Everybody. Oh, I don't trust such and such people. Oh, no, no, you know what's going to happen now. And, and what is it? There's a shortcut. Okay? And what we need to do as believers is recognize when you have a stronghold. How you know? Because when the word of God goes forth, there's an answer coming. Contrary. Resisting. It's not true. Now nah, I've heard that before. Now you have a stronghold. So we've got to pull down strongholds. Casting down imaginations. 
thought patterns. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Pull them down and say, I'll pull down that stronghold in the name of Jesus. My mind is not going to resist the word of God. I'm not going to shut down because of the truth that is uncomfortable to me. The truth is here to make me free. And I receive it. And, and pa- Pastor Manana talked about where amen comes in. Amen means I allow that truth into my soul and into my mind. I allow that truth to dismantle what is already there. I allow that truth to pull down the strongholds that have been established. Oh, you can't make it because you're black. You can't make it because you're South African. You're a woman. You're young. You're not this. You don't have that. All of these are strongholds and the preaching of the word of God has got an element of spiritual warfare because we are working on the stronghold with the truth of the word of God to bring every thought into captivity and to obedience of Christ. Can I hear you loud? Amen. Can I hear louder? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I break every stronghold in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. I break them in Jesus' name and I cast down every stronghold in your mind, in our minds, in Jesus' name, so that we can see the truth as it is and not see it through other eyes. But I can see the truth. That's what Peter realized when Jesus says, Who do men say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. What happened there? Jesus explains. He says, flesh and blood didn't show this to you. This didn't come from you. Your eyes were opened. A stronghold came down. You saw a prophet before this. You saw a good man. You saw another great teacher. You saw a rabbi. But a stronghold has come down because the father has given you light to see. No, this is not just a prophet. This is the Christ. The son of the living God. Hallelujah. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah. Paul says we want to see no man after the flesh. But to see them by the spirit. This is huge, beloved. So a religious mindset is a mindset full of religious strongholds. Barricades. And so, this, let me give you some biology. They say that the brain, I'm talking about the brain, not the mind. The mind is what operates the brain. The brain, this organ called the brain is rather like plasticine. It's like putty. And whenever, and this is is, is proven, whenever a new thought process is introduced into the mind, the brain itself actually biologically changes the grooves. Those grooves in the brain are the highways. So you can retrain your brain, even in adulthood, to think differently. Okay. Proving that you can change how you think, how you see things, based on whether you want to accept a truth or you don't want to accept the truth. Someone say, I accept the truth in Jesus' name. Now let's talk about Ephesians 6 verse 12. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now we are talking about principalities, entities in the atmosphere that have some influence over individuals on the earth. Now, let me tell you how a principality works. I know because I have seen them. I have been shown them by the Spirit of a living God. They have talked to me in the past. And when I say talk to me, I mean introduce themselves to me and uh, try to make deals. You see, see, a principality is not a demon that's going to make you roll on the ground and scream. and ah, ah, ah. Those are just low-life demons. You just kick them out in the name of Jesus. A principality is very intelligent. And not only intelligent, they know how to tempt and make deals. And a principality is like a principality of a city, is like SABC, Broadcasting Corporation. It operates in the atmosphere. And what it does is that it broadcasts in that area, in that city, in that nation, a certain way of thinking. Oh, this is huge. And, uh, uh, and this, uh, um, I got this word from um, the, the Bill, Dr. Bill Winston. I want to give it over to you free of charge. No one has ever had an original thought in their life. That blew my mind. You are designed to receive thoughts. Either from above or from below. Adam and Eve didn't think about anything evil until serpent came. What does that mean? What that means is this. You see, we're, we're designed to serve somebody. We're designed to respond to thoughts, suggestions, ideas. That's how we design. That's why the internet and all this technology is so powerful because they know how to present something in a way to get you, to, to, to suck you in and to, to convince you because we design for suggestions. Okay? We only produce thoughts based on the thoughts we've received. Now, what am I saying by that? What I'm saying by that is this. Principalities... Release thoughts. And human beings are designed to receive thoughts. Okay, let me break it down this way. We talk about a vibe, eh? You know, the, I, felt, I went into this room and, you know, the vibes. You know that language, right? What do we mean by that? What we mean is I'm picking up thoughts here. I'm picking up opinions. I'm picking up feelings because you are designed to pick up thoughts. You are made to either pick up the thoughts of God or the thoughts of Satan. And Satan now, knowing that you are like a reception, as, as a receptive uh, mechanism that can receive these radio waves, he broadcasts these thoughts. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. You can go... I don't know, maybe it's not you, but me. I, you can blindfold me and drive me from, say, Swaziland, South Africa to Swaziland, and no borders. And I can tell you when we cross the border. 
I can tell you because I can sense the principalities have changed. You can go to KZN and you feel it's different to Limpopo. Different principalities. Different broadcasting corporation. Come to Gauteng. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there are some busy principalities up here. Making people think in a certain way. You get a person that's well behaved, obeys their parents, submissive and all that to their parents. They're fat. Bring them to Gauteng. Yeah, my daughter. Go nagele. The same girl becomes a rebel. What happened? They came under the influence of the principalities of that city, of this area. And they're receiving messages, let alone in, in, in media and all that. They are receiving messages that are conditioning them to act in a certain way. I'm not... Downing being in Gauteng, I'm just real about it. I'm aware of it that there are principalities. So a principality is like a broadcaster of a lie. And it operates in the realm of the spirit and it operates from a stronghold in the atmosphere. Oh, you can never succeed with that here in Gauteng. You'll never make it here. Or you'll never make it in Bumalanga. You must go to Gauteng to get a job. And they're here in Gauteng and they have no job. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So these, I'm, I'm explaining to you what a principality is. It's going to help you. Because now when we say we bind, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of wickedness, in heavenly places, you know you're dealing with an entity that's lying to you. Let me give you an example of this, a concrete one. I'm, I'm giving glory to God. When we started, and we were in Centurion um, many years ago, as we've got journeyed all these areas. When we got to Centurion, and I'm not, that's not a lie, I didn't fabricate this. Centurion was the divorce capital of South Africa. Black families would come to Centurion and divorce. I'm talking major. When we started to deal with that principality, over time, that has changed to the glory of God. See, when we deal with a principality, we're dealing with an entity that's establishing a lie. Now, this is what happens. When we preach the word of God, and now I'm pulling down strongholds, literally in your mind, there's a principality up there saying, oh, oh, all right, finish the service. I'm going to get busy after the service. And for the next week, it will be rebuilding what we pulled down. And you come back and preach to the same persons like you said nothing the last week. Because that's what they do. They'll send ways to reinforce it, send people and you know these people, you know, do you really trust what's going on over there? And blah, 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 blah. And what's the devil doing? He's trying to rebuild, 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 rebuild. We, we suffer damage here. And that's what the principalities do. Whether through media, through people, um, 
that, 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 <laughs> that same Peter who said, Thou art the Christ, is the same Peter who rebuked Jesus when he was going to the cross. And what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. Because at that point, it was no longer Peter talking. It was the principality in the atmosphere trying to stop Jesus from his assignment. And Jesus went to the root issue and said, now that's not you, Peter. Oh no, that's not from you. It wasn't from you when it was God. It's not from you when it's from Satan. I rebuke that Satan in Jesus' name. Because now it's Satan talking through you. Ooh, that's heavy. Okay. Someone say, I pull down strongholds. In the name of Jesus. See, and, and every area is different. You go to Soweto, it's a different vibe. When we talk about vibes, we're really talking about strongholds. When we're talking about cities. I mean, I, I, I've been flied a lot. I flew a lot. Of flight. I flew a lot around the world. And I've traveled, traveled to the same cities many times. And I can literally be half asleep in my seat. And the plane crosses the boundary. And I say, okay, we are now in Pennsylvania. And sure enough, we're approaching Philadelphia. I can be sleeping, and I know. Wow, one time I was flying to California. We were going to, I was ministering years ago in San Francisco. And these principalities, I don't know why God revealed them to me. But we're about to descend, and I hear in the Spirit, He's here. He's here. And it's in the clouds. He's here. He's here. And I'm like, who are they talking about? And I realize they're talking to me. And literally, like and a grapevine, I heard it going down like an echo, down to the ground. He's here. He's here. He's here. And I said, yes, I'm here in the name of Jesus. And I'm here to serve you. Notice, I'm coming to pull you down in the city of San Francisco in Jesus' name. You see, principalities are not threatened by activity. They are threatened by the truth. They are threatened by revelation. They're threatened by what attacks their stronghold. So long as you continue to strengthen what they are saying, they'll leave you alone. Now, I had an experience with the principality about that, about Freemasonry, and so trying to make a deal with me. Years ago, I was coming up and, you know, I wanted to be on television, and that was the big thing in those days. It's still big today, but not as big as it was then. And I'm like, oh, Lord, if you just open the door. And I remember having a vision. In this vision, I see a, a, a man. It was actually a white man, but he had, a, a, had shorts on and he had a wand with a snake head. And he's holding it like this. He didn't say anything. And I passed him. I didn't say anything to him. I passed. And then he speaks to me mind to mind. He says, I'll put you on TV. Just leave me alone. I said, what? And then I saw through a house and there was a TV and there was something playing and then it went snowy and then suddenly I saw my face on TV. He said, I can put you on TV. Just leave me alone. I'll let you go on TV. It was the man, principality of Freemasonry. I got out of that dream and I said, in the name of Jesus, devil, I'm going to hunt you down wherever I see you to the ends of the earth. I'm making no deals with you. See, principalities deal in the realm of the mind and they make deals. 
Jesus, uh, Satan didn't possess Jesus, jump on him. He said, let's make a deal. I'll give you the whole earth, the kingdoms. Just bow. Say, just compromise. Just, just once. You know, just, 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 just do this thing. Go, go. And, and, and go to the Sangoma and, and do what you need to do, you know, to get some luck in you. And then you'll get what you want. And the principality is going to make a deal. The devil is a liar in the name of Jesus. We make no deals with Satan. Now, when you stop and you fail and refuse to make a deal with the principality, that's when he sends his soldiers after you. Okay, I'm going to fix you. Everybody around you, I'm going to shut them down. I'm going to put them away from you. I'm going to turn them from you. No one's going to stand with you. You're going to be on your own. And uh, no one's going to bless you. No one's going to be in your life, support you. I'm going to attack everybody around you. Now you are in war and the enemy is shutting down every avenue of blessing that he would like to use. And you start finding, hey, can he help me? No, Nami, I'm suffering. Hey, please, man. Hey, you know, I just need 200 rand. Hey, because if you could see, Nami, I'm And all of this, you're like, how everybody, because you are now dealing with spiritual warfare, trying to shut you down to bring you into submission. So you stop this thing of pursuing the kingdom of God. Business people especially are under these attacks. I've seen it. I've seen people come and they don't realize. And I warn them. I say, get close to me. You better get ready for war. You want to be close to me? Praise the Lord. I welcome it. But you better be prayerful. Because it doesn't play. We're dealing with fire all the time. You know, and get ready, and you better be prayerful, watchful, otherwise you sleep. We're thinking in. Because I know the tricks of the devil, I know what I'm dealing with, I know that we're dealing with principalities, and Pastor Temba, you're there in Bramfontein, and you're also in Centurion, and you're also in Swaziland, and you are dealing with principalities that are saying things, and say, you're not going to get land here, you're not going to build here, you're not going to, the devil is a liar. You are going to get land in Jesus' name. You are going to build in the name of Jesus. You are going to expand in Jesus' name. God will bring finances into your ministry to stand with you. And, and this is why, and, and they keep on saying this. I must say this in past. These, these men of God keep on saying this. And even this morning, during the seminar, Apostle Lom was saying, uh, if you've got finances, business people, bring them to prayer. Because the enemy is going to take you from church in the name of being busy, not knowing that you become vulnerable and weak and the principalities can come against you, against your family, against your finances, against your health, against everything around you. And then people start vanishing and ghosting. I'm busy. I'm bu- Really? No, you're under warfare. You are under siege. But the solution is to be strong in the Lord. Come on, give God praise. Because when you go, okay, I'm going to go with the Holy Spirit. When you start dealing with mammon, mammon is the only threat to God, not Satan. Jesus says you cannot serve God and 
He doesn't say you can't serve God and Satan. Not that you, you can do it successfully. Why? Because mammon is the threat. Because you either serve God and despise mammon, or you love mammon and hate God. You can't have both. So whenever you are actually dealing with money, you are now going for the devil's vault. He has locked it down. He has put guards around it. He has put sentinels everywhere. He's put an alarm system. If a true believer wants to get the real money, oh, you're going to have to fight for that. You're going to fight for that. You want that tender? Oh, there are watchmen who are watching in the spirit to say the children of God cannot get this kind of tender. I know what I'm talking about. There are gatekeepers in the spirit. I've got to tell somebody this. Because what we have it happens in church, people think that the more I work, the more I'm busy, 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 and it's going to be better. No, it doesn't start there. You have to be busy in the house of God, busy in prayer, busy in spiritual warfare, busy with fasting, busy with giving, busy with serving. Hallelujah. Stay in your position because Satan wants to move you out of place. So that the work of God will suffer. I just said something. Because he's not after you, he's after the work. And if there's no one, then where is the work going to go? So, business people, and, and uh, you hear from uh, 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 Bishop Tryon when he talks about Brother Anu. And he says this all the time. Brother Anu is a minister who is a billionaire now. Many of us might know about him. Spiritual son to apostle to Bishop Tryon. And Bishop, um, Brother Anu, he does not miss a service. A billionaire. He still carries the bishop's Bible. Still armor bearer. When now the bishop has released him, because now he's a marketplace minister, so he has his own preaching engagements. Sometimes people think they're too big for prayer. I'm dealing with high-powered stuff. I haven't got time. Hey, hey, go ahead. You'll see high power. <laughs> the flames will bring you back here. I'm just saying. You see what I'm saying? He doesn't miss church. I, I was blown away one time and I heard this. And someone was testifying about him. Saying, Brother Anu was on vacation. I'm not saying I'm going to do that. Lord, that's another level. Someone say another level. He was on vacation in Dubai with his family, living in a seven-star hotel. And because it came during a weekend, he flies only first class, not even business. Business is only here in South Africa. He drives, and he took a ticket just to be in church on Sunday. Not a conference. Flew. To sit under the word because he knows what he's dealing with. He's dealing with high level principalities. And we don't deal with these things lightly. You need fuel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How many people receive what I'm trying to say? Amen. You need fuel. See, so, so when we're talking about, I'm talking about um, uh, breaking the barriers of faith. Through revelation knowledge. That these strongholds block revelation knowledge. They hinder revelation knowledge. 
And so we have to know how to do spiritual warfare. Yes, there are demons we cast out of people and all of that, and they make noise and they just go. We chase, chase them out like chickens. But I'm talking about the high-level stuff, and that's why we pray for those in authority. Okay, Holy Spirit, because you'll find that you have a good person in a big office. The moment they step in, they come under that principality, and the person that was speaking the truth one minute after they're in the office, they start speaking with a forked tongue. I thought this was a good person. Why are they not speaking with a forked tongue? You know what I mean by that. The, 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 the American Indians speak about it. They, they have now got a different language depending who they are, and they're compromising the truth. It's because of, that's why the Bible says pray for those in authority. Because the Satan is trying to make deals with them. Why am I saying this? Satan is trying to make deals with them in order to get what he wants and compromise what God wants. Someone say, I bind principalities. I pull down strongholds. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Casting down imaginations. Amen against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I declare that tonight God pulls down every stronghold that is in your life, that is in my life, in Jesus' name. That God causes our eyes to be opened, hallelujah, so we can see with seeing eyes that the enemy will not shut you down whenever the truth is coming to you in Jesus' name. I cast out every spirit that resists the truth of the word of God in your life and in my life in Jesus' name. Come on, let's stand to our feet and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Something is about to shift right here. Mendobo shatelekia marando. Rosondolobo shatalabastia. Rengele gezingo boronda la bagedes.